This is an Eva Burroughs College podcast. The content covered here is intended for students enrolled in Eva Burroughs College courses and is part of a larger learning context. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome back to another week of Catherine Booth. This week we're looking at the history of emotions and how that relates to Catherine Booth. But first, what is the history of emotions? Well, prior to the 19th century, human feelings were known as moods, affections, and passions. And the study of those belonged to the disciplines of philosophy and theology. The term emotion as a psychological classification was first used by philosopher Thomas Brown in 1820. For Brown, emotion denoted those human expressions and responses of joy, sadness, disgust, anger, fear, and any partnering feelings with those core ones. And these feelings were communicating something about the individual. It was during this time that the study of emotions broadened and shifted, becoming a focus for the disciplines of psychology, anthropology, and more recently, the neurosciences. So you can imagine with this history, the result has been various approaches to defining what an emotion actually is and how we might understand them. A widely held view of emotions has been that they are universal. That is how you feel and understand emotions is how I feel and understand emotions. That is regardless of culture or the time people experience the same basic emotions displayed in universal facial expressions. A leading proponent of this idea um, was a psychologist named Paul Ekman. And he distinguished that the basic emotions experienced by all humans, despite where they lived and what time they came from, were happiness, anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and surprise. Now you might be um, getting triggers here of a memory of a movie you've seen. Pixar made the movie Inside Out and really that movie was based on Ekman's theory of these universal emotions. Well, there've actually been some um, several objections to this universal approach to emotions. More and more, emotions are considered as far more complex and involving than this. It's considered now that emotions are largely shaped by social experiences, language, and even embodiment. So as a socially constructed view might um, tell us, emotions are formed by culture and relationships, and they're transforming and relative to particular communities eras and locations. In the field of neuroscience, research demonstrates that there is actually probably a mix of both of these views, both a universal view as well as this kind of social construct view that is a mixture of nature and nurture involved in emotions. Neuroscientist Richard Davidson dedicated his research to the emotional life of the brain, and he argues that emotions can be as unique and individual to each person as a fingerprint. 
So what we want to hold in mind while we look at this week's material is that Catherine's experiences of emotion may not entirely be the same as our own. So let's turn now to the emotion that we're going to consider this week in this module, and it's the emotion of anxiety. When I first undertook this study, I was sharing with a friend of mine, a colleague about this study, and when I told him that I was looking at anxiety, his first question to me was, is that an emotion? He hadn't ever considered anxiety as an emotion. And you'll understand why um, as we now look at the history of anxiety. So in Australia, over 2 million people report to experience anxiety every year. Since the 1980s, anxiety has been primarily considered as a pathology a sickness or an illness relating to mental illness. Recent research has found that the emotions of anxiety and fear, which are often partnered together, are generated and processed in the region of the brain known as the amygdala. It's the part of the brain you might know about that is shaped like an almond, right in the center of the brain. When a person is confronted with a real or imagined threat, the amygdala sends information through the sympathetic adrenal medullary system, sending messages of fight, flight, or freeze to the rest of the body. If a threat lasts longer than a few minutes, another part of the adrenal system is activated and releases a hormone called cortisol. Long-term release of cortisol is linked to memory impairments, depression and burnout. The surge of energy that runs throughout the body with the feeling of anxiety has actually been necessary to human survival over the years. So, you know, our tendency might be to see anxiety as this negative thing that we must always avoid having, but actually there is this, you know, shadow or good side to it, uh, that it's a survival emotion. As an emotion, it was recently defined as an uncomfortable feeling of nervousness or worry about something that is happening or might happen in the future, and also defined as an eagerness to do something. In order to understand the emotionology of anxiety for Catherine, in the next part of this module and in the next recording, we're gonna take a look at the methodology that was used to make sense of her emotions. And that methodology is called Emotional Communities. So when you're ready, um, you can click on that one and listen to uh, an explanation of Emotional Communities. Thanks for listening.